Should the behavior of the people that design sneakers influence how we spend our money? We'll get into that this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear. As always, this is your host, Matt Freitz. You can call me the Iceman or Matty Ice. I am just happy that you are here participating in this show. I want to shout out everybody who is new to the show, who has recently joined and started listening. Your listenership and your support of the show means the world to me. I want to share a little bit of an anecdote, and I want to give a shout out to new listener, Paul. Last week, I woke up for work. I usually wake up for work about 6.30 a.m. I'm an early riser. I like to get into work early. Thankfully, I work from home, and I like to log in as soon as I wake up, basically, and kind of get my day started. And normally, I check my phone. I take about 10 minutes to lay in bed, look at what I missed overnight, check some emails, things like that. And the other day, I woke up and had an email that I had received in the Fire Footwear email account, which is firefootwearpod at gmail.com for those of you who are interested. And I had an email from a person. Now, a lot of times I will get spam emails and I'll just basically delete them. But this one was Paul reaching out to me to talk about how he feels very connected with this show because of some of the things that I've talked about. And I have to say that the episode that I did about turning 40 It just blows my mind that so many people have connected with that episode. And I guess when I was putting it together, I wondered if maybe I was doing the right thing in talking about myself that much. But as I've learned that this show has the ability to connect with people from all walks of life and have the ability for people to feel less alone in this world. And so I want to shout out you, Paul, because it was so great to hear your story, even in a very brief moment. And it was nice to make that connection. And I always feel as if the connections that I can make through this show are the most important thing. And maybe you think that that's paying lip service to that, or maybe you don't think I'm genuine. And I understand that content creation these days is about exposure. It's about making money for a lot of people. I don't make anything from this podcast. I do this podcast solely because I love to do it. I love podcasting and I love sneakers. And there's nothing that's probably going to change that anytime soon. It's really difficult to become quote unquote made in the podcasting space or even the content creator space, because as you all know, there's a lot of content out there. So whenever I get that kind of connection from somebody and get those messages that say, hey, Matt, thanks for putting on the show. I really enjoy it. And I definitely connect with it. It means a lot. And I always say that the people are the most important part of sneakers. Last week, I talked about the Jordan 3. I talked about the history because I felt it was important for everybody to understand how influential the Jordan 3 was and how influential Tinker Hatfield has been on the cusp of the Jordan 3 reimagined release. And I've always maintained that while the shoes are awesome and we're all here because of the shoes, let's not get that mixed up. The shoes are an amazing part of the sneaker experience, but I think that the most interesting part of the sneaker experiences are the people that are involved. Because if you think about all the people that are in sneaker culture, how many different people there are, even listening to this show right now. I don't have a large audience, but the people that do listen, I know, come from all over the place. They come from all over the world if the analytics are telling me the right story. And I'm sure we all have different stories and different story arcs to get us to where we are in this world today. To me, that's the most important part. And to me, that's the most interesting part. And I think in turn, whenever there are stories that come out that relate to the people that design the sneakers that we so love, I think it warrants talking about here because another part of being genuine is talking about the things that are really happening. I mean, we could gloss over a lot of the things that happen in this world and just talk about the positive, and that would be fine. But sometimes when these things co-mingle, we have to talk about subjects that are uncomfortable. And we've talked about Kanye West before. Yeezy is a very uncomfortable subject these days. 
He has done a lot to tarnish his brand. I was on GOAT the other day looking at the under retail section and I noticed that there were a few Yeezys on there and some of them were Yeezys that were in the five, $600 range. We're talking about the 700 V1 inertias, the 700 V2 statics. It's insane to think that those prices dropped, but it brought up something as I was browsing and it made me realize that should we be thinking more about the behaviors of people that design sneakers or the people that are endorsing sneakers? And there were two stories in the news over the last two weeks that I think we want to talk about here because each of them has a different element of this. They are not similar really in any way, but I think that they're important because both people, and that is John Morant and Tom Sachs, have an influential piece of the sneaker market. Tom Sachs has been somebody who's been influential over the last few years. John Morant is kind of an emerging star in the NBA and is carving out his piece of sneaker culture, having had now his first player edition release. And I think that it's interesting to think about these two stories, but I wanna talk about them separately because I think, again, they are different, but they each have something that we can take away from. I wanna start with John Morant because I think John Morant's is a little bit more innocent, at least when you start to deep dive into it. And when I say that it's more innocent, I mean that it's more fixable. It's a manageable situation that you can look at and say, man, there are a lot of things happening that are not the smartest that a human being could do, but they are not things that are unfixable. They're not something that can tarnish his legacy forever. He can do all the right things and come back. But the stories that have come out over him, now there have been whispers about John Morant and some legal issues, or I guess some aggression issues, things like that. And we've not really had any confirmation. And a story came out, I wanna say three weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, that sort of confirmed some of these stories that had been whispered in the back halls of the NBA and on the internet. And John Morant has been at the center of this now with an incident with his mom at a finish line at a mall. The other one was a pickup game of basketball on his property at his house. And the third one happened on Instagram Live, which is what really got him in trouble. So when I think about John Morant, John Morant is what, 23, 24 years old. And I talked about in the Turning 40 episode about how I was when I was 24 years old. I was still really trying to find myself. I can't imagine how it would be if I was an NBA star making millions and on the cusp of being like the face of the NBA. When you go from having nothing, and I'm not saying John Morant had nothing, but when you go from normal means to, oh my God, F you money means, it throws your whole life into a tailspin because some people do not know how to handle it. And John Morant is somebody who has an edge about him. The Memphis Grizzlies have an edge about them. That's their whole shtick. And John Morant, with, through these stories, you kind of figure out that that edge is something that he wants to be a part of his legacy. Does it have to be a part of his legacy? That's debatable. But when I say having an edge, a lot of people can be cocky, a lot of people can have ego, but it's sort of how you channel all of that. So the two stories that I wanna focus on are the pickup basketball game and his mom. The one with the gun at the strip club, I think was just pure stupidity and really had more to do with we today with our phones and social media, I think sometimes we get this false sense of security that we can do whatever we want on the internet because we have the ability to post anything that we want. And him being young, being in a strip club and kind of trying to play down some of these rumors and articles that had come out about the other two instances, flashing a gun at a strip club, a lot of these are just bad looks, but they are looks of what a lot of times young people do. 24 years old is certainly old enough to do a lot of things. You're old enough to smoke cigarettes. You're old enough to vote. You're old enough to drink. And so you're old enough to have the wherewithal to know what is stupid and what is not stupid. And I think the IG Live thing was definitely stupid. But let's go to the John Morant's mom at finish line story. Apparently how the story goes is John Morant's mom was at a random finish line somewhere in Memphis. She was shopping for whatever. It's really inconsequential. 
She got into it with an employee that works at the store. Now, from what I understand, that employee was probably around high school age, maybe a little bit older. I do not know the nature of the altercation. Nobody really knows the nature of the altercation because nobody's really spoken about the details of it. Something happened. There was an exchange of words and Mama Morant basically feels threatened by this. So what does she do? She calls her son, John, and says, hey, there's been this altercation at finish line. Can you come down here and sort of help me out with it? What ends up happening is John Morant rallies some of his friends and they are about eight of his friends. So a grand total of nine people come down to this finish line at this mall with the intent of meeting this kid after he gets off of his shift. What ends up ensuing is some type of a physical altercation or a scuffle, a kerfuffle, however you want to use. There's like a hierarchy of words that you could use there to describe the situation. And apparently it had to do with the head of security. So that kind of gets swept under the rug because there's not a lot of things there. But I want to ask a fundamental question that has been asked in a lot of places. So I'm not really breaking new ground here. John Morant is a Nike signature athlete. At this point, having his own signature shoe, he is made within that company. He's not trying to find himself in that company. Just having one signature shoe puts you a cut above every other athlete that maybe is endorsed by that brand. You have now been given the keys to the Ferrari. You have your own shoe. They have put those kind of resources in which they feel that your marketability is high enough that you can be a star with this brand. Remember last week when I talked about Michael Jordan signing on with the company with an extension because the Jumpman logo showed him that he was going to be front and center of the Nike brand? That tells you something. And I think a lot of athletes who get that treatment are put at the forefront of these brands. There are a lot of athletes out there that endorse or wear Jordan brand or Nike. Not all of them have their own shoe. And John Morant has obviously stood out amongst the other young stars in the NBA for Jordan brand to attach themselves and give him his shoe. And that also comes with Nike and Jordan brand kind of being able to give him and provide him just about anything that he asks for. Obviously, there is a line to that. I don't think he can call up Nike and ask for 10,000 Jordan 1 Travis Scott mochas. I don't think that that's going to happen. But as far as apparel, as far as athletic gear is concerned, I'm pretty sure that John Morant can get his mom whatever she wants. What is up for debate is what she was doing there, what she was shopping for, and why she was getting into a war of words with essentially a high school student. I don't think we'll ever know the truth to that because nobody's really going to talk about it, but I think that it just puts in front of us a lack of judgment on that family's part. And maybe you think I'm being judgmental here, but I know that if my son, who's only three years old, but if my son was a Nike signature athlete, I would not be going out in public that casually. Because in today's society, when you are famous, you're a target. And maybe that's not what you want to hear. And maybe that's not what celebrities want. Because I know a lot of times celebrities and athletes will talk about how they want their privacy. What comes with celebrity is a lack of privacy. Your life is out there. And John Morant's life is out there on social media. So if you want to be somebody that is vocal, that is seen, that has a lot of exposure, you have to make sure that the kind of exposure that you are getting for yourself and for your brand is the right kind of exposure. John Morant should be taking care of his mom. He should make sure that she is not going places like that if she doesn't have to go there. Now, she obviously has to live her life. Like, I'll go into a finish line because I want to look at the shoe selection that they have there. John Morant may not have to do that. And I also think that the mother-son dynamic between the two of them is vastly different. Now, I know that I struggled a lot with my mom as I was getting older. This is not something I've really talked about on this show, but I have talked about in other places in the podcasting world, and we will get into that toward Mother's Day because I think it is an important component as to who I am. But the way that I see it is as we get older, and me as a parent, as my son gets older, it is my job to have less and less of a presence in his life in terms of decision making. 
because as our children get older, they have a family, they start to have their own life, and it is not my job to keep him within my sphere of influence. I want my son to go out there and be ready to make the decisions that he needs to make in this world. And when he has a wife and he has children, I'm going to respect that that is the priority. And I think by calling her son, there's nothing wrong with calling her son to say that she is in trouble. But again, when you are a Nike signature athlete, you don't want to handle those things personally. You have somebody else go down there and find out what's going on. Somebody on your security team, somebody within your inner circle who's going to go down there and calmly figure out what is going on. Let's face it, the kid that is at finish line knows who Mrs. Morant is and is probably trying to start some shit because he knows who that person is. And maybe she played the card of, do you know who I am? Who knows? Again, we will never know this, but you're talking about a kid here. So maybe go down there, diffuse the situation and figure this out. The other one, which has to do with the pickup basketball game, this one I think is again something that needs to be addressed when it comes to your famous now. Again, if you want to have an influence in the community, you want to influence young people and help young people reach the potential that they can reach, I think that that is very, very admirable. And there are accounts that talk about the fact that the kid, the 17-year-old kid that was at John Morant's house playing basketball is somebody who had frequented his house playing basketball. And honestly, even after the altercation, felt as if John Morant was still somebody that he looked up to. It's obvious that there are parts of John Morant that are doing the right thing and trying to be influential in the community. But I think when you are young and when you are rich and you feel that invincibility that comes with being rich and powerful, I think it just gets to you. And I think that, again, having a pickup basketball game at your home on the regular with people that you maybe haven't vetted fully, that's not really a smart move. It also sounds like in that pickup basketball game situation that it was a bunch of young people acting really dumb, stepping up to somebody, giving them the impression that they wanted to fight, and then John Morant and his friend basically beating up a 17-year-old again. Why are you doing that? You are an NBA star. You don't have to do that. And I understand that as a famous person in this country, you need to defend yourself and you need to make sure that you are defending yourself and that you are safe. I get all of that. But with that money, you have to make sure that you are having the security around you, keeping that safety net around you to make sure that you're taken care of and your family's taken care of. I think with the John Morant thing, though, his family is doing him a disservice because if you remember, they're trying to fight Shannon Sharp at a Memphis Grizzlies game. His dad is involved in a lot of these situations. It sounds like his dad or his mom was involved in the pickup basketball game. His mom is involved in the situation at finish line. There's a lot of people that I think are letting John Morant down, but it's a fixable situation. I want to see John Morant take accountability. I was never going to spend money on his shoes in the first place, so it's really no harm, no foul there because I'm not really in the market for basketball shoes, and his shoes were fine. They weren't anything that blew me away, but he's very young in this journey. He still has a lot to learn, and he still has a lot of growing to do, and that's why I think this is a very fixable situation. So that's how I feel about the John Morant situation, and I'd love to know how you feel about it, and I'll give you the contact info for the show later. The second story in the news, though, is about Tom Sachs. Now, this one is a lot harder to get into because there are a lot of pieces of this that maybe can be considered very nuanced and there are a lot of things that are very uncomfortable about it. To me, this maybe is not a fixable situation. So an article comes out, I believe it was Curb.com, talking about the working environment that Tom Sachs has at his artist studio. Now, I will fully admit that I know Tom Sachs for his shoe designs, but I don't know anything about him as far as his profession or his art. I knew that he had been doing a lot of things with space exploration and with NASA-inspired shoes and other types of art, but I didn't know that he was a sculptor. I didn't really understand his place in the art world 
because it's not really a world that I find myself in. And I have done a little bit of research once reading that article to kind of find out who he is. And what we know is that basically Tom Sachs has this sort of cultish environment that is cultivated in his art studio. It's something that he seems to thrive in and it's something that he seems to want for his art. Artists are very, very interesting creatures. And you can even lump Kanye West into this group because I've even said that Kanye has been sort of straddling the line between genius and crazy for a very, very long time. I think when you are innovative in a creative sense and you have this sort of epiphany about how you want to create art and how you express yourself, I think a lot of times there are some disturbing parts of those people that come out in this art. And there have been stories coming out from people that have worked at the studio who knew that it was going to be a weird environment, but it sounds like some of these things crossed the line. And we're talking about really harmful language, harmful behavior, demeaning behavior, misogyny, racism, gosh, even a swastika somewhere. And I know, again, it's all in the name of art. And his art studio has come out and said that a lot of these things are jokes, that many of these things have been taken out of context, that people have been taking them too seriously. But Tom Sachs has made a lot of money through his sneaker designs. And if you think about the Mars Yard 1.0, the Mars Yard 2.0, then they had that next release that was like the moon boot that a lot of people cut off because it had the Mars Yard inside. And most recently, he had three releases of what is considered a general purpose shoe. The whole point of it, which I really, really like, was your sneakers should not be the most interesting thing about you. The shoes have been a massive hit. There have been three releases, three colorways, white, yellow, and brown. The yellow was probably the biggest one. I have to admit that I'm kind of in the market for the brown pair, but all of this coming out has caused me to rethink my stance on this. And when it comes to guys like John Morant, when it comes to guys like Kanye West, and when it comes to guys like Tom Sachs, and I've not gone into the same detail with Tom Sachs because I don't know a lot about the situation. I've read one article. That one article has a lot of quotes in it from people who I don't know and have been spoken to, and I just do not know enough about it right now to fully be able to comment on it. But I think it's worth broaching because we as sneaker consumers spend our money on shoes and designs of people who have disturbing things in their past sometimes, or maybe have the capability or may one day have very, very disturbing things in their past. And I guess I wonder what happens if it comes out that Michael Jordan raped women when he was playing with the Bulls? Does it change anything about Jordan brand? Does it change anything about what people are buying? Again, when I go on GOAT and I see the prices of Yeezys dropping, it makes me wonder, is morality something that exists in the culture? There have been podcasters out there, and I want to give a shout out again to the Sneak Disc podcast. Greg was talking about these same issues and how he doesn't have a pair of Yeezys in his collection and how he's not going to be buying John Barantz because of the stupidity. And again, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe when I look at some of these behaviors, I think, man, this is really stupid because I've been around the block now and I've seen what I've done that has been stupid and I'm just not going to put up with it from anybody else. But when it comes to how we spend our money, I think we as consumers a lot of times, and it's not just sneakers, it's any type of consumer, forget that how we spend our money is basically voting for how we feel about a situation. And I've always, always talked about the fact that you can see what people do and what companies do in public. Black Lives Matter is a perfect example of this. Every company was Black Lives Matter when George Floyd was killed. But then come around the election, the way that they're throwing their money around tells you a different story. And this is not about how they should be spending their money from a political standpoint. I'm just talking about the optics on the outside and the actions on the inside are two completely different things. But what I've noticed is that not a lot of people care. 
And I have to admit that it's very difficult to take stances against every single company because every company has problematic things in their past. They do a lot of shady shit. Let's be honest about it. Nike and Jordan brand are no strangers to shady shit. I'm sure everybody has heard a story or two about how Nike has screwed over people or how Nike has done things that are a little bit questionable. And it is what it is. Big business and corporations are shady as hell. It just is always going to be that way. So maybe we can't take a stance against corporations because it's too difficult to make a dent. But when it comes to singular creators within this space, and let's take sneakers for example, when you hear these things about Tom Sachs, does it change your mind about him? And should it influence how you spend your money? And that's what I asked at the top of the show. Should we be buying those general purpose shoes? Should we be flocking toward resale sites to try and buy these shoes? Same thing with Kanye. Now that we know what Kanye is and the kind of disturbing words and actions that he has shown us in public now, consistently shown us in public, should we be spending our money on his shoes? And what you're seeing is that a lot of people are not doing that. Resale has tanked on those. The Tom Sachs shoes are still very high in demand because I think that we don't know enough about it. And maybe it just hasn't circulated fast enough in the mainstream news. I happen to catch it on Complex. It's been all over sneaker news. But is it in the mainstream news? Do random people know who Tom Sachs is? And with John Morant, in sports, if you win, it clears everything. It makes everything better. And I think all three situations here are all different. But it brings up, again, the fundamental question. Should sneakerheads, as consumers of these shoes and these products, think more heavily about the actions of the people that are designing and behind these shoes before we spend our money? I think it's critical. I'm not asking you to stop collecting sneakers. I'm not asking you to take a moral stand every single time somebody does something wrong. I definitely have not been one of those people who thinks that we should condemn somebody for one mistake, that each mistake in each incident should be looked at differently. And that's why I said it a couple of times earlier. John Morant and Tom Sachs both did really bad things. One of them is different than the other. One seems to be fixable. The other one seems to be built into the personality of that person. John Morant can fix this situation. Tom Sachs, to me, I don't know if he can fix this situation because it seems to be that is who he is and that is the kind of environment that he wants in his company. I'm not sure how fixable that is. I'm not sure how fixable Kanye's situation is either. And that's why I think we need to look at them all separately. I know for me personally, John Morant is somebody that needs to do some work, but I think that he can fix it. Tom Sachs, though, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous that he is that kind of person, that he's not a good person. And if that is the case, I'm definitely going to decide how to spend my money and I'm not gonna spend it there. And before we get out of here, I almost forgot. Release of the week, where I highlight a shoe that catches my eye. It's not always hype. It's just something that catches my eye that I think that you should know about. This week's release of the week is the Jordan 1 Low Special Edition Tokyo Vintage. And if you look up this shoe, it has Union LA vibes all over it. But it's a low top. I think it's fire. I think that it's something that's really wearable all year round. I actually have been coming around on Jordan 1 Lows because I think that they look really great. The cut of this is not the OG cut, but it is certainly worth your money. So check that out. I would love to know how you feel. Get in touch with the show. Instagram at Pod is the best way to do that. I keep telling you this every single week. 
I have connected with so many people through Instagram and it has been a lot of fun connecting with you. Those types of things mean a lot to me. So give us a follow and give us a DM. I'd love to hear from you. Fire Footwear is now on Facebook. Just search Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast on Facebook. We are again on YouTube, Fire Footwear, a sneaker channel. You can find the link to that in the show notes below. Right now, there's a trailer and a little bit of a fun movie. I'm filming content, having a backlog. And one of these days, we are going to debut the channel and I will come out with regular content. But make sure to subscribe there to wait for the first bit of new content that will be coming out very, very soon. On Twitter, you can find the show at Fire Footwear Pod is the handle for that. If you want to find me personally on Twitter at Maddie Ice Freights is the handle to do that. If you have questions or comments about the show, firefootwearpod at gmail.com is the email address to do that. And as always, if you are listening on Apple and Spotify, please hit that follow button. Please give us a rating and a few stars. It means a lot. Whenever I see somebody new that comes on one of those places, it makes me feel good. We are getting very, very close to 100 followers on Apple Podcasts. So a big thank you to you if you are listening on Apple. Lastly, MattyIceMedia.com is the website for the Matty Ice Media Network. That is my podcast company. We have other podcasts such as Political Football and Iceman and Coach. Please go support those shows because we're trying to build this network out to be a major presence in the podcasting and creator space. Please visit us there and give your support. I hope that this finds everybody well. I hope that this finds everybody safe. I want to thank you for listening. I will talk to you all next week. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.